Okay, hello, my name is Eva Smith, and I will be having a conversation with Milo Mendez for the New York City Trans Oral History Project in collaboration with the New York Public Library's Community Oral History Project. It is an oral history project centered on the experience of trans-identified people. It is June 11th, 2019, and this is being recorded at New York Public Library Administrative Office offices in New York. Good right. job. Thank you. <laughs> um, so I guess I'll start out by asking you um, where you're from, where you grew up. Uh, I'm from outside of Houston. I was born in Houston, Texas, and I grew up just kind of like on the outsides of it. So not in the main city, but that's where I grew up. And that's where I lived uh, until I was 17, 18, and I moved to Austin. Now I'm here. <laughs> what was childhood outside of Houston like? Um, it was pretty good. Uh, yeah, I think, like, the South gets kind of a bad rap, but, um, Houston has, like, a really interesting, uh, very queer history. There's, like, it's a very large city, similar to New York, so I think New York is, like, roughly eight million people, uh, Houston's, like, six, so it's also very large, but it's very spread out, <clears throat> and in the center of Houston, uh, is a neighborhood called Montrose, and it's like a gayborhood. Um, it has like lots of bars and lots of queer-owned um, like businesses. And um, there was a time when it was like very seedy. And <laughs> I once read like a, uh, I found like an old news article about it, and I don't remember the exact decade, but it was like very seedy and like kind of like a queer underworld. But now it's like very like family queer oriented um and the the like pride parade it used to happen in that area because that's a very queer area now it's been moved to like um the business district which it happened recently and i think that seems appropriate as pride becomes more um <laughs> corporate um inappropriated in that way that you know though people were very sad and upset it actually makes perfect sense that that would happen um, unfortunately. So um, even though I grew up on the outside of that part of the city, um, there were still ways for me to like get there. When I was young, I'd go see like punk shows in that area. And like, that's where I met my first partner <laughs> at like 17, you know, that sort of thing. So um, yeah, it was cool. So when did you first realize your queer and trans identities? Was that when you were still in Houston? Yes. Yeah. So I think like, being queer, I mean, I think that happened when I was, or I began to, like, be like, oh, fuck, you know, like, <laughs> something, something is happening, um, yeah, when, uh, like, puberty, so probably when I was, like, 14 or, like, 15 or whatever, um, but I didn't come out uh, while I was in high school openly, um, because there wasn't a lot of people out at that time, um, and this is, like, early 2000s, so I graduated from high school in 2007. Um, so I had my first partner while I was like a senior in high school, um, but I wasn't out at, at that time to my family or to like most of my friends, just like close friends. Um, and then like a trans identity, I came more into um, maybe like a couple years later, about like two or three years later, so like early 20s. Um, sorry, that was my phone. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, turn that off. It's like, is there a doorbell in this room? <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Yeah, but it's like kind of one of those things where you look back at your childhood and you're like, whoa, I was definitely playing with like gender and I was definitely really queer. There was a, I don't remember the age and I have to like, I would have to ask my mom and my brothers, but uh, there was a period when I was little where I like donned a um, denim jacket and I made my family call me Spike, (laughs) which is so gay. Yeah, yeah. And I was like young. I I'm, I think I was probably like six or seven or something like that. And so there was like a short period, maybe like a week or two period where that was like how I identified. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like to joke about that. <laughs> did you have, um, I know you said you're not out to a huge amount of people in high school, but did you have uh, other queer trans friends that you could talk to about that stuff? Um, not really, no. Um, so I think, like, honestly, I think what helped was it was, like, the heyday of MySpace, right? So (laughs) it was, like, being online, and, um, it's funny because, like, now, um, or even just, like, a few years later, it's, like, oh, of course, a lot of my friends at the time would end up coming out as well. It's, like, somehow queers, whether we know it at that time or not like find each other um but at the time I didn't really openly talk with a lot of people I think I had like one or two friends that I was out to um I would eventually come out to my oldest brother uh before I moved to Austin before I went to college in Austin and then yeah I honestly think it was mostly like probably like an online thing and being like oh there's queers blah 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 and there were resources actually uh, in the center uh, in Montrose there's like a Montrose like um health center and they have like resources for queer and trans folks there um but I think I was too shy at the time to like actually utilize those resources um um, how is your family with all of that? Um, when did you eventually like tell your whole family? And yeah, um, so I came out to my uh, well, I came out to my oldest brother uh, before I moved, and he was totally chill with it. Yeah, he's awesome. yeah, he's very sweet. Um, and then I would eventually come out to my mom. Like, I think like it was, of course it was when like me and my first partner broke up. was like heartbroken so I like called her and I was like crying and um she was totally okay with me being queer she was very sweet about it I mean I think they probably knew (laughs) (laughs) it's like that sometimes (laughs) yeah Yeah. um and then you know my father is really cool about yeah my family for the most part has been really cool about being queer they can be kind of weird about gender stuff I think it's very hard for them to understand that because they're all pretty comfortable I have a I have two older brothers and so like my oldest brother Peter uh, I'm like closer with and my middle brother Nick we've always been like um like on the outs with each other we don't really get along and so um I never really came out to him um but he knew through my family and also like it was pretty obvious that like my family just knew because since we didn't get along like he would often say things to me that were like you know like we know how to push each other's buttons sort of thing um he would end up becoming a a correctional officer which is the opposite of what yeah <laughs> so like we went in two very very different directions and like progressively our 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 politics and like our personal lives just like have been at opposite ends which explains the sort of um, 
yeah, the fact that we don't get along with each other. But um, yeah, other than that, everyone's everyone's been chill. They've met, they've all met all of my partners, and like, yeah, they're very sweet. So great. Yeah. Where'd you go to college? Um, I went to undergrad at the University of Texas in Austin. Uh, and that was really great. Austin is, um, it was a good place to go to college. I think for me, it like allowed me to be away from my family because it's about, Austin's like three hours away from Houston. So it was like a good like amount of like, they're not right there sort of thing. Both of my brothers went to, to college in, um, in Houston and stuck around. And um, Austin's also known as like a very liberal city in Texas, which I think is is debatable because I think like Houston is very liberal and I think I'm I think like Texas itself actually can be very liberal it's like a majority people of color state um but all the representatives are like old white men so it gets sort of a bad rap for people who don't live there um but Austin was really good um I like immediately met like a bunch of queers in Austin befriended them and there are people that I still am friends with to this day so like your first little crew, you know, like people who are a little bit older and they sort of take you under their wing and like, um, so it was, yeah, it was good. Great. Um, how did you end up moving to New York? More school. (laughs) (laughs) I was a, I was a, an art, I I studied art and uh, women's and gender studies. And then I, um, uh, had some time, I think I I applied for grad school maybe like two or three years after I graduated. So I graduated undergrad in 2011 and then um, applied to go to art school. Uh, and all the places that I applied to were in New York because at the time my partner um, wanted to, if we were going to move out of Texas, it was like basically they only wanted to go to New York and I was happy to go anywhere other than Texas because that's just where I'd been. Um, so I applied to a couple places here in New York and decided to go to Parsons. Um, that's where I went to grad school, again, for art. Uh, and then I just kind of stuck around. <laughs> so I was there um, 2013, 2015, and then now I'm here. Still here. Cool. Yeah. Um, what was New York like for you when you first got here? Um, it was good. Yeah, so... My, I didn't really know anybody here. Um, my partner at the time, uh, I think part of the reason she wanted to move here, she's part of this uh, radical, like, uh, communist group called Unity and Struggle. And they're, like, a, a national group that puts out, like, propaganda and analysis on, like, what's going on in the world. Um, and so some of them lived in New York. Um, and... So it was sort of an easy transition for her and therefore for me because, like, we had connections here to a certain degree um, and she could continue doing, like, her political work. And at the time, I was doing a lot of political work with her as well. Um, And so it just seemed like the right fit. And it it was good because, like, we came here and we had contacts already, uh, friendships and people that could kind of plug us into... Um, both the political and sort of both the queer work that we wanted to do. Um, and then because I because I was coming for school, it was also like it made it easier to like sort of make connections. Um, and although my, my program wasn't super queer, it was still like, oh, I had a place to be and to go and to meet people. 
and through that was able to meet other people that were maybe more queer or I could identify more with. Can you tell me more about the political work you were doing? Yeah, so when I was in Austin, it's kind of like one thing led to another, but when I was in Austin, <laughs> first I um, became really involved with like this uh, vegan. <laughs> <laughs> it's so silly. Um, so like, yeah, I got really into veganism. I was a vegetarian my last year in high school, and then when I went to college, I was like, oh, finally, like, no one's buying my groceries, so I'm, here I am, I'm vegan. And I met a group of other vegans and came besties with them, so got involved with a, an organization called Students Against Animal Cruelty, um, SACA, um, at UT. And um, that was really cool. I mean, we did kind of, like, sort of typical vegan things. Like, at the time, there were pet stores in Austin that were selling dogs from puppy mills and so we would like um yeah like hold signs out in front of like the pet co or whatever and do that and then just offer like um stuff on campus like a Thanksgiving dinner that like wasn't meat-based and would table and I'm honestly it was just like our meetings would be like trying new vegan restaurants so it was like mostly just like a bunch of vegans like hanging out eating good food together um but I got involved with that and got interested in sort of the more radical politics of it um we were able to get this speaker to come I actually forget his last name it's Peter something um and he uh is most known for um like releasing minks um, there's like a, a fur, there was like eight major like um, fur factories essentially in the U.S. And I think they were mostly um, like in the Midwest. I think because of the climate, uh, minks are more geared to living in that area. Um, and so he did this thing where he went and he like released a bunch of minks from these factories uh, and quite a few of them ended up closing, actually. I think also because there's not... Yeah, it was amazing. <laughs> and he was giving this talk <laughs> about, like... He was, like... It was very, like, um, sort of individual, like, anarchist. Like, you shouldn't trust anybody else. He invented, he did it with someone else, and that person um, led to him getting caught. And so he spent time in, in, in prison um, for, for several years, I believe. He's released now. He got released. Obviously, he got released yeah. and then came into this talk. Um, but he was very much like, only you can do this. Like, you need to be able to do this. And, like, look, this works. Like, I did these things, and I went to jail for a little bit. But, like, look what happened. Like, I closed down these things. And I was like, yes. Like, yes. And so I got really into, like, ALF. I didn't end up, like, doing anything, but I believed very much in those politics. Like, fuck yes. Like, the only way to stop this shit is not to just, like, eat vegan dinners and, like, get students to, like, come to your vegan Thanksgiving, but to, like, do these direct actions, and that's the only way, blah, blah, blah. So I was very, like, sort of heading down that line of politics. Um, I would eventually meet uh, my partner, uh, and um, sort of our group of friends overlapped, and they were, uh, they started a group called Aapalea. Um, it was a technically like a community group, but it did a lot of work on campus, and it, we mostly fought against, so at the time, the University of Texas was um, making budget cuts, and they were only cutting basically ethnic studies and women's and gender studies. <laughs> I know. <laughs> 
I know it's like, don't even try to hide what you're doing. <laughs> um, so Aapleo was really involved in like fighting against those cuts. Um, and, and we were really active in that. So I got into that and um, like meeting that group, which would become like my main group of like friends and, and, and political mentors and stuff. Um, they pushed back a little bit more on these very like individualistic ideas I had about like direct action. And um, I did a lot of like reading groups with them and um, they're, they're sort of very much into like um, Marx um, and like uh, uh, Silvia Federici and uh, uh, groups and individuals that um, sort of put forward the idea that um, strength and change comes from like community organizing and building and, and that sort of thing. And after many like debates, it sort of like did appear to be true. <laughs> so my politics began to sort of like merge into that um, sort of thing, very less like anarchists I'm gonna, or that particular um, like form of anarchism because there are many forms that like bleed into very different things. Um, so yeah, so Aapalea, and then, um, when we moved to New York, um, I guess there was one more thing. I, I started like a queer reading group in Austin and that sort of turned into like a, um, like a blog and political analysis and then like a zine pamphlet thing that I continued into New York. But when we moved to New York, um, we started um, the Florence Johnson Collective, which is uh, like a collective of um, uh, reproductive care workers. And we define reproduction as just like rebuilding the person. So it wasn't just like um, medical care workers. It was also like teachers and um, people who do any form of care, right? Um, and we wanted to do that just because uh, like politically that's where um, attacks are happening, right? So it's like healthcare and it's like education. And I think it, it felt like it made sense at that time. Um, so we did a couple of actions. Uh, at the time, I lived in Crown Heights, and they were closing a hospital, uh, one of the public hospitals in Crown Heights. Um, they did end up closing it, and it's like, I don't know, it's like, um, I guess in New York, uh, hospitals are becoming privatized, but obviously that's a problem because they'll close the public hospitals, and even though they're not, they tend not to be very good, that's because they're underfunded, Um it creates problems in that there's less hospitals in general. So people that live in those communities where they're closing the hospitals, um, like if someone were to have like a heart attack or like an emergency, they get rerouted to a hospital that's further away, which is obviously a very big problem. Um, so yeah, we, we did that. Um, and that went on for like two years, maybe. Um, we put out, uh, like a, uh, a newspaper, the Florence Johnson Collective, like newspaper, and that had interviews with educators and nurses that we had met. Um, but in general, that um, kind of organizing was very difficult. It was very difficult to get. We had like one or two nurses and maybe like a home health aide um, join and like be interested in it. But I think like New York is really hard to get people 
who have families, obviously, and who work full-time jobs. And it can be very hard to, like, on top of that, ask all these organizing things of them. Um, And then just various disagreements uh, between people, mostly people who were on the left who were participating in the group and not necessarily care workers themselves. It's like the infighting of the left sort of thing. So eventually the group would part ways. And then after that, I didn't really do anything um, sort of explicitly political in that way. Now my work is mostly focused on um, like self-defense for queers and trans folks, um, which is political in its own way, but um, also not as explicitly in many of the ways that that other work was. Um, I also just on that point, I wanted to ask, how did you come up with the, or why did you decide on that name for the collective? The Florence Johnson yeah. Collective? Um, Florence Johnson is the, um, she's the maid in, uh, what's that show? Um, it's like a popular sitcom from, uh, it's like an all-black sitcom, and the maid was like the, um, she was like always giving like, uh, uh, kind of like guff to the to the um, people who ran the house or whatever and we just liked her like we thought she was a really like in that sitcom she was one it was like a sitcom that people of this particular age could um, relate to they would know what it was and um, we just thought that she was like so funny and witty and like was kind of always the person putting these people these like wealthy people in their place and we were like yes that's like representative of what we'd like um what we'd like this <laughs> kind of work to be represented by so um I also know you're really or in, somehow involved in the punk scene yeah yeah do you want to talk about that <laughs> yeah I think like um what in when I was growing up in Houston I like got into the punk scene obviously because it's like oh there's vegan music and it's kind of like where that outcasts are and that sort of thing and that just sort of stuck Um, when I moved to New York, I mean, I still like punk music, um, and like hardcore music. And then I just ended up making friends with some people who were in bands here and, um, sort of like venues like Silent Barn, uh, which is no longer open, but it was a venue in Bushwick that had a lot of like shows, um, which is like a good place to meet people and to hang out and where I ended up a lot. Um, yeah, I just, like, ended up having roommates that were, like, in queer punk bands and that sort of thing. Um, yeah, so I think I've just sort of been in and out of it a little bit. Just as, like, a fan, I've never really been in bands or anything like that. But, um, I think I just like parts, I'm really into zines, and that goes hand in hand with punk culture. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think I read, or Michelle told me that you were working for Radical Queer zine distribution yeah. um I don't see where I'm not. yeah so that was the thing that basically it was started as a reading group in Austin um and we started it like again me and my partner at the time we started it in Austin because we wanted it's kind of like we had these two circles one which were um people who were really focused on politics and then queers who are really focused on um, community building, but maybe not as explicitly political. And so we started this reading group that kind of wanted those two groups to overlap. And so we did it for like a couple months in 
Austin, and eventually it, it continued, I think, for about a year. Um, some people took over um, hosting it and running it, which was really great because it meant that people got into it and were involved in it. Um, and so from that group, we started a blog as a way to reflect on the things that we were reading and Again, we wanted to do something more at the blog, so eventually the blog became like a pamphlet and zine distributor, and we called it We're Here, We're Queer, um, here, but here as in like the pronoun here. Yeah. And um, so with We're Here, We're Queer, basically we uh, authored and published, but also had um, would um, sell other people's zines relating to mostly like queer theory and queer history. So we pamphletized um, like essays that we thought were really important and we um, pamphletized like work by political groups that were at that time current. So this is like between 2012 and 2017. Um, yeah, groups, anybody that was putting out things that were sort of radical and political. And also we wanted to make connections with things. So we'd often like um, like pamphletize things about immigration because immigration is a queer issue and that sort of thing. Trying to, trying to make connections for people uh, and with people. And so we did that for a while. That was really fun. We tabled a lot of like anarchist book fairs, the one here in New York. Um, our friends put one on in Atlanta and we did that. Uh, we tabled... Um, feminist scene fest here in New York too and um, like a couple places one in like DC just like zine fest mostly here around um, the northeast but occasionally in like Houston and other places in the south yeah and that sort of folded <laughs> after my partner and I parted ways <laughs> which is like I think a common thing unfortunately uh, I, I kept going with it for like a, a little while longer but then yeah, I sort of just turned my, I still do zine stuff. I actually recently just tabled um, this past weekend. Uh, um, but it just wasn't We're Here Queer stuff. So still love zines, but it's good. <laughs> Bless you. <laughs> um, can you talk about how your, or just what your art is now and like what you went to school for, like what kind of art you do and all that? Oh, yeah, that's so funny. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's weird. I don't really do art. I like <laughs> You go to school and you realize the art world is like this terrible place. Like, yeah. Um, no, it's good. I mean, it was good. Basically, you know, I think when you're an undergrad, art school is kind of like you're just figuring out like what you want. Are you interested in art and that sort of thing? And then I went to grad school because um, with um, um, for, for artists, master's is the terminating degree. So I can teach with a master's and I, and I wanted to teach. Um, and also it was like this two year period where I could like really dive into art, uh, like fine art, I guess, like quotations, um, and see if that was something that I really wanted to do. Uh, I picked Parsons because, um, so all the programs are sort of different in various ways. And Parsons is um, a lot of the professors and their focus is on uh, arts relationship to both the social and economic world, which I, is what interests me right so it's like you know the art world isn't a bubble like it's influenced and 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 
Like, there's sort of this myth that the artist, like, goes into, like, a cabin in solitude or something and creates this, like, masterpiece, but that's absolutely not true. It's definitely influenced by their experiences as a person, like, what kind of person, like, um, culturally and economically, like, their experiences influence that thing. And I liked the art program at Persons because of that. They were, like, very much like, yes, this is what it is. At the time that I was there, I was making a lot of, like, videos, um, mostly about being queer, about this idea of otherness, and queerness as, like, um, in a way, a relationship to, like, monstrosity, but monstrosity being a liberatory idea. Um, and I'm still interested in those themes. I haven't, since I graduated, I haven't really made that much work. I think it's, um, like time, right? Instead, I'm working lots of shitty jobs to pay rent. Um, but uh, yeah, my art has kind of shifted to just like a, a drawing practice. So just like a daily drawing practice. And um, I currently work um, on this project called Unbag, which is, um, it's a pretty esoteric, like small art magazine, but it's focuses on art and politics and I'm an editor for that magazine so that's fun for me and that feels like more of an art practice where I get to um, in a way collaborate with artists and curate this magazine so that it um, sort of feels like it talks about like where the art world is or where art can be in a contemporary way and its relationship to politics um, so that's sort of I'm not like actively I don't really actively make a lot of things that I um, that I would show in any way. I'm also not super interested in um, showing artwork in that way or selling. I don't know. I don't think I've ever sold an art piece ever <laughs> in that way because um, I'm not a painter or anything like that. But um, I still really like art. Uh, I think, yeah, I don't know. It's um, another way of like thinking through the world and thinking through theory and, and, and experiences and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I'm not, I'm no longer interested in being like an artist uh, with like a capital A, I guess. Yeah. So. <laughs> How did you um, shift to the, um, the like queer self-defense scenes? Yeah. So when I, basically when I finished, um, school, grad school here, uh, in my past, I've sort of dabbled in, in like, boxing and kickboxing. I'd taken a class here and there, blah, 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 like, for a month in Austin or whatever. Um, but I've always kind of liked the, the sport of, like, um, like Muay Thai and MMA. Um, and so when I graduated, I was like, I just want to do something, something, like, physical maybe, and something that's fun and, like, something to learn. So I went to this gym in Bushwick. Uh, it was a Muay Thai gym, um, and so Muay Thai is, is um, similar to kickboxing. It's like the um, the national sport of Thailand, um, and it's like where kickboxing sort of relates to. So a lot of people use them interchangeably. Technically, they're different just because of rule sets and, and, and points as far as like the sport goes. Um, so it was a Muay Thai gym. They also had Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, which is like a grappling um, sport. And, uh, so I just got really into it. I went and I really liked it. Um, I, like, at the time I was searching, uh, like, I wanted to 
learned some sort of self-defense, but I've also always been interested in the sport, so it seemed like a perfect thing to do, right? I could learn a little bit of self-defense, but I also could enjoy this, like, sport and have this thing to look forward to and be active in a way. And so I started training both of those, Muay Thai and Jiu-Jitsu, and still continue to train them today. And since being in sort of, like, the scene a little bit, um you come to realize that like all gyms are pretty shitty like they're very like macho um and obviously I don't like that the gym I went to lucky enough it was run the head coach was a queer woman of color which is like very rare um (laughs) uh, and yeah she's amazing and we became she's like one of my best friends now um but I just got lucky and that I landed in this I just so happened to land in this place and it just became like a thing where I especially given the moment that we're in um where like the right is um not only gets away with like violence like blatant violence towards um anyone different um but it's in a way encouraged by many of like by many politicians and 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 many like um um politics now it seemed like I would love it if queer and trans people had more access to these martial arts because I do think that there's there's many good benefits, right? So self-defense is definitely one of them, but also like a, a physical connection with your body that um, trans people don't get to have. There, there's a way that you connect with it when you strengthen it and um, like learn to move in weird ways that maybe you wouldn't normally going about your everyday, right? So sitting and and standing and like walking up the subway steps, but, and and then also just like mental health stuff. Um, I think that there's like science for it, obviously, but I mean, it really is a good way to like sort of learn to problem solve and to like feel um, encouraged and good about uh, uh, the things that you accomplish. And so for those reasons, like mental health and and, and physical awareness and then self-defense I would love people to have more access to it martial arts gyms are very expensive um which in a way I'm like okay I get it because people train for many years to accumulate this knowledge but um also like under capitalism like everything yeah exactly um and because of the cultures that tend to be created in them like even if queer and trans people could access these things monetarily they wouldn't want to um so i'm interested in, in building communities that offer that so uh now i i have this little i don't know project i guess called queer fight school and it's just like an instagram basically um <laughs> well uh so i have this instagram that i run where hopefully it's like a, a, a connecting point for people and then uh, aside from that, I've I, I teach, or at least I taught. Now I'm moving, but uh, uh, teach self defense classes or intro classes to Muay Thai, intro classes to Jiu Jitsu um, that are donation based or free, um, so that people can access these things. Um, and then most recently, I, I like um, created a couple of zines that are like introductory self defense zines, um, and kind of used again the project name queer fight school as like the name for the zines that i was making or for the table that i was selling these zines at so that's most recently what i've been doing with that project and i hope to continue it in in texas 
because um, I think everywhere needs it would be great. Yeah. What kind of spaces were you able to hold those like introductory classes in? Like, where do you get your funding for these scenes? Like, do you pay for those yourself? All the printing and yeah. <laughs> so um, again, because that gym that I was at, um, the woman who was the head coach. She was obviously, like, very into letting me use that gym space. She would eventually leave um, that gym space, and so I left that gym as well. So for a while, I had, like, a really nice gym space, and I just used it when, like, the classes weren't going. So it was, like, a late Friday night or something when there wasn't a class, um, but was able to get quite a few people to come because I do think that there's, like, an interest. People were like, yeah, I do feel unsafe a lot and would love to just, like, know even the basic things. Um, when that space, when I no longer had that space, I found this, um, space, it's called Oceanfront Studios, it's in Bushwick, it's, uh, like a collective, most people use it, it's like a collective performance space, um, and I think the people that use it the most are often dancers, um, but it's like this little, it's crazy, it's like this little shed in the backyard, (laughs) of someone's like apartment slash uh, storefront wherever it's like right on the corner on, on like um on Myrtle um um and it's uh it's actually like very nice it's uh it's got um soft floors which is necessary um in, in martial arts is really helpful in martial arts and they also have like um mirrors which again I think is a dance thing but that's really good for when practicing like for beginners to look at themselves as they learn how to like punch and stuff, they can look at themselves in the mirror and see their form. Um, so I've used that space since I left the gym. Um, and I've also been involved with this group called Pop Gym, which is based here in New York and they do workshops for um, like martial arts and self-defense workshops. Um, uh, they're, they're a nonprofit, but it's run by like um, fairly um, radical people. I think they, um, decided to make a nonprofit just so they could maybe benefit from like applying for certain grants and stuff like that. Um, so I teach with them. I'm technically on their um, like board or something, but it, again, it's like so in uh, informal that it's like very silly. It's just like us and our friends, right? Um, so people normally reach out to them, and it's normally like um, like uh, women's. Uh, shelters or like we've done one at the Brooklyn LGBTQ Center Um, so people normally reach out to them so in that instance we go and we do it in the space that they provide in those buildings Um, which is normally like an empty room like this yeah they just like push tables to the side and stuff like that Um, so those spaces have been like sort of just uh, random I guess but uh, what was the name of the first gym, I don't know, first, but the other gym that you went to? Yeah, so I started at this gym in Bushwick, it was called Physical Culture Collective. It's owned by this dude named Gavin, who's like in the hardcore punk scene, which I think also kind of drew me to that gym, because it's like, oh, this is a gym for misfits, and blah, blah, blah. He's kind of a douchebag, <laughs> which is <laughs> not surprising, um, and it, which is why the coach, who I'm, my, like, my coach, would eventually leave that gym, uh, and once she wasn't there, there was no point in me being there. So since then, I I personally train at, I've been to other gyms. Right now I train at this gym called Bancho MMA. Um, Again, it's like, it's not a place where I would take, um, like, a queer or trans person who is interested 
and like trying it out because culturally it's like pretty shitty. Um, but for me, I feel like comfortable enough and that I've been in the sport enough that I can hang with these people and I'm, and I'm used to it. Uh, and so I go there because the training is good and not necessarily because the, the people are amazing, though there are some really great people. Um, but I feel like because I can handle that, I go and I train and I try to train with like the best people that I can so that when I teach, like I'm providing the best information that I can in these other spaces. Um, it would be nice if one day those two things were the same and overlapped, but unfortunately they aren't right now. But hopefully one day. <laughs> can you say more about being a queer trans person in those spaces that aren't necessarily welcoming to? Yeah, um, I mean, it's totally understandable I think understandable as to why trans people, why queer people wouldn't want to be in these spaces. Um, Aside from like the machismo that often exists in them, um, unfortunately, uh, it's it's like kind of a a, a catch-22. So unfortunately, martial arts, um, for example, Muay Thai, it it requires um, like punching and kicking and and getting pushed a little... under the right coach, you won't get hurt training these things. Like, you would never be in an unsafe way. But you do have to push yourself to an extent to be uncomfortable. Um, And that's not always easy for people, right? Um, Especially, like, a group of people that would have experienced violence in in many forms and likely physical violence at some point in their life. Like, it's not easy to be in a place where um, that happens. And then for... Jiu-jitsu, um, because it's a grappling sport, uh, it, it's mostly it takes place uh, on the ground. And it, it's a, it, it, there's no striking, but it's mostly like joint locks and chokes. And so because of that, you're in close proximity in an intimate way, not really, uh, not, not, not really sexual. At least that's the hope is that people don't sexualize it. Um, but often, again, that's like another thing, right? So shitty men can can use these like particular um, positions or situations to to be shitty men. Um, but even with the right partners, even in the safest space, it requires like being close to someone and like touching someone. Uh, maybe in ways that you aren't comfortable with or possibly getting touched in ways that you aren't comfortable with, even if it isn't like in a sexual or like a predatory way. Um, so that's really hard for people. And I think that there needs to be a lot that goes into building um, safety in the space before that can even be done. Um, so... I think I just got lucky that the initial gym I was at, I felt like pretty safe and was able to start that. Um, and now that I'm, I know a little bit more, I have the confidence to like create boundaries that I think are safe, right? So if if I know that someone um, is shitty in jujitsu and I, I don't, um, when you like spar roll, it's called, or sp- spar and jujitsu it's called rolling with them because you're just like rolling around (laughs) i know it's so clever um but basically if like there's someone that i don't want to roll with like i'm confident enough to be like i'm not gonna fucking roll with you you're a maniac you know or i hate you or something like that um but for someone who's new to it it's very easy to be like okay i don't know what i'm doing like sure blah 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 and and not feel 
um, confident in yourself to, to create those boundaries or, or, or if someone's being wacky or out of control to be like, you're being bonkers right now. You need to stop doing that because you're going to hurt someone. Like maybe you don't have the knowledge or confidence to do that. Um, so I think like my ability to be in those spaces currently is definitely just from having a safe space in the beginning to learn like what was appropriate and what wasn't appropriate. Um, and I credit a lot of that to my coach, um, who, her name is Naomi, and um, I really appreciated the way that she ran um, PCC, um, the first gym that I went to, because it was kind of like a no bullshit thing, and she demanded respect. I obviously didn't always get it, because she herself is like this like small like woman, um, and men are trash at times, so, um, but yeah, I, I mean, I credit, like, the the little voice in my head that's like be confident and like set those boundaries like that's definitely her voice i think so that's great yeah um so can you tell me about the shitty jobs that you have to be working oh man i mean it's just like a lot i think all jobs are kind of shitty right a job is a job um but like uh i've gotten lucky enough to where i um, have gotten to teach here. I teach at Parsons as an adjunct, um, and that's really fun. I think, like, I really love um, education and learning um, and being able to help maybe some way people learn something or even create, like, a better class, think about creating a better, safer classroom. Um, but unfortunately, since it's an adjunct position, I teach, like, one class a semester, and that doesn't pay anything um so man all the job I mean I've done everything like I've been a barista I've um worked in retail I've uh I've worked at a lot of tattoo shops um just like um back of house and front of house but what that means is I just like schedule appointments or I'm like cleaning so even though it was kind of fun because it's like a little bit of an informal um workspace and I'm around artists and I ended up making a lot of friends who tattoo so that was nice being around friends but it was also just kind of a shitty job where you just clean a lot and deal with like entitled customers a lot which is never fun um so yeah a lot of those jobs but um were certain positions more queer trans friendly than others do you ever like have any issues at like with any of your positions or workplaces with your identities yeah I mean I think like any sort of um service industry job is pretty shitty like even if you have the best bosses or coworkers, which I feel like I've been very lucky actually everywhere I've been as far as like the people that have hired me or the people that I've worked with no one has been particularly shitty and I definitely have some friends who have had like people harass them and I've just been very lucky in that sense but um, because it's a service industry job it's like no matter what you're you're dealing with the public and people who people of all kinds right um who aren't necessarily very um nice to everyone or um yeah who don't have like, the best intentions, um, I think, honestly, it's, like, 
can oftentimes be less about like being queer trans and just more about people thinking they're better than people that serve them so uh, um, I would say that that was by far the biggest issue and I think that's very common for everyone right it's like if you clean up after me you're less than me but I don't know (laughs) obviously that's bullshit so definitely have like your employers and people that you've worked with being respectful of your different identities how's that been like hard to explain to people yeah I think I honestly I think I've just ended up in um I've been lucky I yeah every so I've always I've gotten to work for like friends or friends of friends and because of that they like the employers or coworkers know what they're getting into um when I worked as a barista, it was my friend that ran the cafe, and it was a lovely work experience as far as with her and the other coworkers. Um, maybe not always so much with people who are demanding coffee. Um, and when I worked at the tattoo shops, like there were trans tattoo artists, so that was really cool. And like the owner of the one that I worked at the longest, which is Three Kings, it's this. Um, there's two locations I worked at the one in, in Greenpoint. Um, he was really chill, like, uh, very sweet. He's actually, like, very sweet to me all the time. Um, always really respectful of, like, my gender and, yeah. I mean, I think, like, again, there's a culture in, uh, I mean, like, you can't really ever escape, like, machismo and misogyny. So it's not like those things didn't happen. Um, obviously, there's, like, because uh, like the tattoo world is dominated by men, um, it's like yeah, people would say shit that is like fucked up, mostly about women, usually not about trans people, uh, like in particular about being trans. But I mean, trans people are women too, so it's like all these assumptions and things they 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 leak into it, even though it's not maybe explicitly um, saying shit. Um, so there was, yeah, I mean, there was definitely people that would say shit, and yeah, I guess it's complicated, right, in that way, but, and, but as a, as, like, a worker, I didn't experience any direct, um, like, violence or, um, harassment particular to me and who I was, and again, I think I'm, like, very lucky in that sense. When you are teaching class classes for um, persons, how are students with that? Um, are they like respectful or? Yeah, it's honestly, it's like hit or miss. <laughs> I mean, not that they're not respectful. Um, and I also think it's, it's changing, right? As like queer and trans identities become more public um, and like are in mainstream forms, right? So pride is like getting like, um, films, right? The Pride Parade is going to be shown publicly and stuff. Um, and RuPaul's Drag Race is on, like, VH1 now <laughs> and stuff. Um, yeah, so I remember the first year that I taught, so this is this has been, like, my fourth year teaching. Um, the first semester that I taught, you know, what, of course, the first day, I don't know if, if you've had this experience, but, like, the first day of class is always, like, a throwaway class basically you like introduce the syllabus you introduce who you are maybe you do an icebreaker blah 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 
Um, and so I always say like my, you know, my, these are my pronouns, like blah, blah, blah. And I put it in the syllabus. Um, and, uh, then I go around and I ask people to say their pronouns and blah, blah, blah. And so a lot of people, I remember the first most of people were like, what? like very confused. Um, and I don't know, just do your best. I think because it's an art class, like I get to maybe approach things in a different way and I get to share like queer artists and trans artists which is fun um but uh honestly even over these past four years I think I've had less and less people give me like the confused look and I don't know if like maybe people are just better about looking less confused or (laughs) or maybe you know hopefully people are familiar maybe they know what it means to like even if they don't experience it or have practice in like asking for people's pronouns or giving their own, they at least know what I'm saying or what I mean by that. Um, I also think, like, even though I, like, definitely, I mean, I definitely have critiques of the new school and Parsons, I will say that, like, maybe it's because we're in New York. I know that a lot of faculty are queer, are trans. Like, my boss at Parsons is trans. Um, so, it, I don't know, maybe there's something in that. Maybe it's particular to the school in in some way, somehow. I don't know. Um, Earlier you mentioned, obviously, a bunch of places have closed down and people left. How's New York changed since you got here? Yeah, that's wild. Um, It has changed a lot, which is kind of funny because I feel like I haven't been here that long. And um, I don't know. I think, like... Any sort of DIY or punk venue is something that doesn't last forever, right? Even growing up in, like, Houston, like, that shit doesn't last. Yeah. Um, but I will say that, I don't know, it's, I don't know, it's very sad, but I guess it's just, like, something you get used to. Like, I think this, the closing of Silent Barn was really, um, was really a sad thing. Uh, it was one of the first, when I came to New York to visit to see if it was where I wanted to live and like to go on like an interview or whatever for the school, one of the first places a friend brought me to was Silent Barn, which was really cool. And it really was like, um, like a hub for queer trans, like punk music and queer trans identities. Um, they had like, yeah, I think like probably the people that ran it were all, almost all, queer probably many trans um and then I've just gotten to see um gentrification at a new level in New York because though it happens everywhere it does happen everywhere but um it's at like lightning speed in New York it's so noticeable (laughs) yeah it's and it's wild right when I first moved to New York I was in Crown Heights Uh, I basically I lived off of the Utica stop and kind of like at the end of the the four line and I was only there for like two years and in those two years like um one stop over I think it's like Franklin or something it like was revamped like had like a fancy grocery store and like um like it had right now because I have a friend that lives near there I, I recently went and there's like this crazy like condo being built and I'm like who can even fucking afford that um, and that's all happened in the time that I've been here like it, that street has completely changed since I've been here which again, I've like been here for a very short time, six years, I think, seven years maybe. And that is just so crazy to see an entire street, I don't know, change in, in that short of time. 
Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> uh, so you're moving back to Texas. Um, mm-hmm. What's the plan? What is the plan? That's a good, <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. I don't know. Uh, I'm moving back because my, my dad passed away like a month ago. And I'm moving back to like help help out my mom a little bit. Um, my my dad was sick for quite a while. He had uh, dementia, like a particular kind of dementia called Lewy body's dementia. Um, so he was sick for a while. Um, so it, it wasn't like a surprise when he passed away, but um, it was like this thing that happened that was going on for a long time. And my mom's been through a lot because of that. And I don't think that my brothers support her in a way that she needs support um, because they have their own families and shit, and so I get that. Um, So I'm going back to be closer to her and to help her out and hopefully be, like, a support system as she transitions into this, like, new part of her life, which unfortunately is, like, being a widow and, like, navigating the world as, like, a a single person, like a single unit, right? Um, So... I'm actually gonna go, oh god, gonna go live with her for like a couple weeks um, until I can find a place in Austin again. Because again, I just like, I love her and I, I wanna be there for her. But like, I don't think I can, um, I don't really wanna be in the same city. Like, there needs to be like a sort of mm-hmm. two hour, three hour buffer where I can be there. Have your own space. To, yeah, I can be there in less than a day. I can get to you in less than a day and I can help you out and be there whenever you need me. But I also need to like just navigate my own life. Um, I just turned 30, so I'm like, <laughs> what am I doing? So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm both, I'm excited. Um, I, because New York is so hard. I feel like my time here is good. Like, I'm, like, ready to leave this past winter. I was like, oh, okay, I'm ready to get out of here. Um, I'm not sure if I really want to return to Texas just yet. I would like to experience other places to live and do things. But maybe this is just, like, an interim until I figure out what's next. So we'll see. <laughs> um, is there anything else you want to add or cover, talk about? I don't think so. <laughs> was that okay? That oh, yeah, that was okay. great. Okay, yeah. cool. Okay. <laughs> okay, good. No, thank you so much. Yeah, I appreciate okay. it.